Suspend your disbelief. Let yourself be led down a path into the world of the paranormal, where ghosts, shadow people, cryptids, aliens, and all things supernatural dominate. Immerse yourself in a dimension of ominous trepidation with your hosts, Dan, Danny, and Rachel. Welcome to the Phantom Faction Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm Rachel. And I'm hot. Oh, stinking hot. <laughs> well, on the humid side, right? You know. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy here. But uh, yeah, I hear some places in in the states are having like 110 uh, Fahrenheit temperatures. Uh, yeah, and British Columbia and Alberta as well. Is that right? Well, wow. oh yeah, it's in the like we're obviously metric system, but it's in the high or it's in the low to mid 40s in some places, which is yep. over over 100 for us, which which is crazy. So yep. those, those poor people in British Columbia who are used to the moderate, you know, nice summers are all melting. Well, I think it's some of the winter drives and I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm on my, I'm on my second t-shirt today. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm just sweating away. No, no air conditioning at home. But I, should have, I should have stayed at work and, uh, and recorded the show from there. That there way. you go. <laughs> you slept in your studio your nice air-conditioned studio too yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> we're back again we had a little bit of a break just because of life got in the way and everything else and uh we have a someone who i'm actually really looking forward to speaking with uh in my attempts to find really cool guests i had actually reached out to a lady by the name of annie wilder and i think our guest is familiar with her and uh, unfortunately, she couldn't do the podcast, but she said that I should contact a possible guest for the, sh- the show. And uh, apparently, this young lady has some fantastic experiences with astral beings, which I'm really excited to hear about. Nice. Time, time slips, and her, in her words, a zillion fascinating stories. So thank you uh, to Suzanne Worthley for joining us at the Phantom Fashion Podcast. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Suzanne, uh, you have a zillion different stories, apparently. That's Annie's words. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like to hear about more of these astral beings and time slips, of course. But can you just tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and and then we'll go from there? Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me. First of all, I really appreciate the opportunity. Annie uh, Wilder is my literary agent and very longtime friend in the world of all kinds of things, um, seen and unseen. And so she's a wonderful human being with a bunch of books of her own, but she was my literary agent for my book um, that we launched this year, The Energy Healer's Book of Dying. So thank you to her. Um, Yeah, so I am actually a full-time energy practitioner. I've been doing this work full-time since about 2008 and um, kind of balanced it with the corporate madness for a good, you know, chunk of time prior to that. So I have been in the world of energy in every facet. So that includes anything from, you know, on planet, off planet, it is healing work, it's paranormal work, it's all kinds of different um, things. And it's it's just literally my world. And so um, I do a lot of death and dying work, hence why I wrote the book on the dying process from a psychic's perspective. So I am um, very adept at being able to see the energy fields, hear them, see them, know them in all the different clairs, meaning your heightened sense of, of um, you know, psychic skills. 
And so, yeah, it's been a very, a very interesting and fun and never ending off road and journey over the years. And it's only getting crazier. We all know things are going nuts right now, right? That's right. You must have noticed uh, like a lower in the whole energy level across the whole earth, really, through people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, as again, a a practitioner, it's my job to be able to um, do my best in terms of giving information. And I always preface everything with take what resonates, dump what doesn't, because I'm not here to be anybody's truth, especially when it comes to a source, you know, source energy creator, whatever your package up there is, is yours. But um, during the pandemic, it was extremely critical to be able to not only be there for support, and because people lost their marbles, and actually I'm seeing more are losing it now because this, this so-called let's get back to normal is just <laughs> bogus, you know? I mean, that's just bogus. And I think people are more scared to get back to normal than they were to hide in their house. And so me, though, from a healing perspective, I did a couple of videos for, I have an online, an online community that I teach a lot with, but I also did public videos on um, basically the whole entire situation that from a perspective of a healer and an energy worker, this whole pandemic was really more of an opportunity. And it was really an opportunity to grow and to go inward and find your shadow self and figure your stuff out. And I thought it was incredibly enlightening at the same time. And I myself was not in much of a fear state and still am not. Um, Doesn't mean I'm cooler or better, just says I have a different perspective. And so again, a healer is here to assist you know we're here to be able to um help in any way possible and sometimes that's energetically and sometimes that's with information as someone who's an energy healer uh, how did how did this come about like was this something that uh you know something that you've had a knowledge of as a as a kid and you know you're one of those people that used to see things and you know have those yeah. invisible friends and these little, <laughs> little astral beings and stuff and then it just developed <laughs> Yeah, actually, my zillion stories start at five years old, (laughs) because I am uh, the daughter of a mortician, first of all, I am one of six children, and we grew up in the world of death. And for us, it was very, very natural and normal to be running around a funeral home. And I didn't know anything different when I was super young. And when I was five and six years old, I literally had three alien heads on my ceiling every night that visited me. And some, most of the nights it was what I would coin the good aliens, which were the triad, the three. And other nights it would be the so-called bad aliens because at that age we didn't have different descriptive words. And intuitively I would know when to hide from the bad ones and when to listen to the good ones. And then at age six or so, I came down with a undiagnosed blood disease, which is often what happens to what we would coin ourselves as star seeds or indigo race people. We come down with all kinds of life-threatening things and or have situations where we do a transmutation in our physical form, et cetera. And so, yeah, I was dealing with this at five and six years old, right out of the gate. And I would, even at five and six years old, be out of my body and astral projecting in the hospital because I would be in the one room where they were taking my blood, trying to figure out what was wrong with me and thinking I was dying. And my little body would project out of my body. My essence would go out of my body. And I would go float around in the lobby and listen to these nurses talk to each other. And they were all upset and crying. And they're like, oh, it's so sad. That little girl's going to die. And I'm like, oh, my God, a little girl's going to die. This is so awful. And then, (laughs) then I started to put two and two together that they were thinking it was me, you know. And so I was projecting out from day one. You know, so for me, that was normal. Well, thank God they were wrong too, right? 
Well, and <laughs> ironically, the heads were right. The heads would tell me every night, the good heads, Suzanne, we're working on your blood. You were working on your blood. You're fine. And I would hear my parents crying downstairs and I would be so confused and, and like I'm not understanding why no one understood that I was fine other than the heads. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and then of course, like any other normal person, as I grew, I sort of stuffed all of that away because gosh, you know, you wanted to be like everybody else, you know, you didn't want to tell people there was things floating on your ceiling every night. And so we sort of tampered that stuff down. And then it came back with a vengeance in my um, early, let's see, late thirties, early forties. It came back like, boom, like big. <laughs> it's, it's interesting how you mentioned the word starseed, because as soon as you started talking about the good aliens and bad aliens, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. And, and you brought it up, of course. And I thought, oh, she just answered my question. But for, for those people who aren't familiar with what a starseed is, can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I think that first and foremost, every one of us comes from the stars. This is my belief system. We organically originally do come from the stars from a soul's perspective. And this has nothing to do with religion. This has to do with our ancestry and true soul alignment to whatever your creator looks like. And as we progress, we start to go through many, many lifetimes. And lots and lots of us on this planet Earth have had multiple reincarnations as humans, as reincarnated humans on this planetary system over and over again for you know many, many, many times and many, many eons, et cetera. Starseeds, on the other hand, feel in their bones and in their knowing and in their intuitive self that they also have had many, many lifetimes not on planet, on other planets, on other existences, in different, not human, different forms, different embodiments, whether that be an insectoid or, you know, a reptilian or an aquatic or just an essence or whatever. And so the starseed has a lot of very individualized um kind of like belief systems, they, they feel certain things, they are highly empathic and sensitive, usually highly psychic, and, and they're just plain kind of pissed off that they're in these human bodies, to tell you the truth. And so it's been very important for me as a healer to be able to re-embrace my humanity and accept the mission that I stepped forward into to be on this planet during this ascension period. And to be here in a human container, which is divine, and it's been a learning process. And so many, many of my clients come to me because they are starseed, whether they even know it or not, by the way. And I do a lot of work with starseeds to integrate them back into owning the fact that we signed up for Earth. Can you, so. t- can you tell if someone is a starseed or not? Yeah, yeah. And, what, and, and how do you determine that? Most of the time, a star seed is, um, they can be one of two things. They can be extremely flamboyant and out there, or they can be extremely introverted. Either or, however, you can be in a room of a gazillion people, and even if you're that flamboyant out there, when you still feel this sense of loneliness, you have this sense of disconnect. You're the life of the party, but you're still like, something just isn't right. I, I just, I'm just not connecting. And bigger than that, it's this yearning of wanting to go home. And oftentimes you will look at the stars and go, I just know there's somebody or something or there's somewhere out there where I really belong. So you never necessarily feel like you belong. You are often coined as the weird one in the family, which was my goal, by the way. Um, you're, <laughs> I'm, raising my, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> yes. And, and a starseed oftentimes will be very frustrated with the human form, the human container. It feels too small. It feels old. It feels antiquated. I just want to get out of it. It's easier when I'm out of it and on and on that goes. And so they're highly sensitive. They're highly empathic. 
Um, you know, a lot of the things that I've done energy wise have helped me train to be a trained empath. And that's different than a non-trained empath. So I'm literally just submitting my second book right now, which is in the series, again, an energy healer's book of this one is on empathy because there's so many people on this planet that are empaths and they're just destroying their emotional field, their mental field, and obviously then their physical field. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this information will help people. And then additionally, a star seed only has about five more layers of the same, if that starts to make some sense. Right. Now we don't, we don't delve too much into the extraterrestrial UFO alien kind of uh, topic on the show. Not that we don't want to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just that we seem to get inundated with uh, psychic mediums and paranormal investigators and the odd uh, cryptid uh, guest. You know, and weirdly always... for me, seriously, Dan, I have never like felt visited. I've never felt like, oh, I see the, you know, the the cigar shaped thing in the sky that clouds a ship. I don't see any of that. I don't see any of that. And I don't. Uh, uh, other I, than the heads that are stuck to your ceiling. But I was going to say, <laughs> but where I do see them and I do it all the time is in my healing practice and in my own modality, I'm on ship all the time. I go on ship all the time. So it isn't the same as the UFO world. It's really more working with the star beings and the healer beings and the off-planet beings in a healing and uh, supportive situation. So I've never felt, I've never felt attacked or, or taken or, you know, abused or abducted. None of that is my world at all, but I certainly, certainly have seen star beings in my healing room. I see them all the time. I turn into them. Um, when we do a certain event, I do what's called morphing where I allow my body to step back and I project forward and my body literally changes in front of people's eyes and they change. And I've turned into all kinds of interesting beings so that they can come forward so that people can actually see what a being looks like. And so I've had a huge amount of crazy experiences, um, even feeling what it feels like to be those other beings. And so it's been pretty fascinating. Um, going back to the, you know, the ETs or aliens that you saw in your, your home when you mm -hmm. were a child, uh, what's the difference between the good and the, and the bad, uh, um, like physically? Is it um, the, well, the, here's the, the deal. There, what's the difference between a good human and a bad human physically? Nothing, really. Right. It's the energy signature that they hold. It's right. the frequency that they hold and the vibration that they hold. And so I believe these came through in these big skulls. In fact, the ones that were good. Um, it was one big skull that looked forward that looked very much like the skull on Wizard of Oz when it was the green head, you know, when he was the wizard and they okay. were the big crashing wizard with the green skull. That was what, what talked to me. And then the other two were like a peripheral that talked to that head. And those had a frequency of love. They had a frequency of safe. They had a frequency. And then, then when the so-called bad ones came in, it wasn't that they weren't looking like skulls, but they would morph and they would swirl and they would project and they just felt scary so even as a six-year-old my intuition was hide get away those aren't good for you you know right. even though obviously you're not really hiding but as a six-year-old the sheets and the blankets helped mm -hmm. they were right like, they were like the generic grays that everybody seems to i see literally am 61 years old and have been doing this most of my life in one shape or form and i've never seen a gray hmm. and i don't plan to because it's just not my thing Right. I don't. And, and if I did, I guess it would be fine, but I don't entertain that. I don't bring that into my consciousness arena to play. And so therefore it just doesn't work with me right now. And that's fine with me, you know? Right. Do you hmm. think that they appear to you in a certain form because that's what you would understand 
Now, maybe that is else. exactly, Danny. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome that you said that. And I appreciate you noticing that. And again, this isn't a value system on anybody's better, but I, as a Suzanne being here, do a lot of work to keep my frequency at a certain level. And so it's not that you're hundred percent stealth bomber, but you kind of are, you go through your day differently and therefore you draw in what matches to you in terms of your frequency. So if I was filled with fear and regret and anger and negativity, I would definitely be pulling in a different frequency, which then opens the door to a different being. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. That's exactly how it works. Right. Right. You're sending out the positive vibe. So you're getting back. But I'm also not rainbows and unicorns, you know, running out of my rear end either, <laughs> because this is not, you know, this is not a world of all rainbows and bunnies. This is not in any way, shape or form, but it's also being informed and intelligent that knowing that I have the ability and the psychic responsibility to be able to identify is that elemental creature that I'm seeing right now an actual demon, or is that actually an inner earth creature that just looks demonic? And it's up to me to understand that frequency and be able to work with that differently. If we're ignorant and we think, oh my gosh, it has horns and it has red eyes and talons, then I'm screwed if I think that it's a demon because it'll just simply shape shift and it'll drop to that frequency. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yes. There is a, a difference between demons and quote-unquote aliens then. Because I know a lot of people, especially religious ones, think that aliens and UFOs are demonic. And, uh, you know, I, I keep saying, no, it, it can't be the same thing. They might use the same uh, portals or vortexes or to travel. But I, I can't see them being, especially the, the ETs being demonic. The way that I teach it and everything, and I taught for many, many years, and I've pulled back on that specifically right now, but the way that I taught for many years is if we think of consciousness and creational consciousness in layers, layers, one, two, three, four, five, six, and we go upward, one being down here with the planetary earth, wind, water, fire forces, nature itself, the planet itself, two, dimension two is plant and animal kingdom, three is the humanity species, four gets up into the astral plane, five gets up into the angelics. So as we progress, each of those planes of existence, which is a plane of reality, has what we would call a different embodiment of source energy. And those embodiments will go from one is a wind, you know, in one, we've got wind, we've got water, we've got ether, you know, in plant and animal kingdom, we've got fairies, we got all kinds of nymphs, we have gnomes, we have undines, we have sylphs, we have all kinds of things, we can't necessarily see them if our psychic skills are not cracked open, but they are definitely there. And so then we get up into humanity and we know how many, you know, this, that, and the other thing are walking around in humans. And then we get up into the angelic range and we get up into the, so depending on the plane of existence or the plane of reality, that determines the embodiment of the container that we're walking around in. So this is why, yes, there has to be multiple kinds of containers and we will find them in different frequencies of planes of reality. How many different astral beings or entities do you think you've seen over the years? Oh, my gosh. I like, mean, di- like different variations, I mean. like. Oh, I've seen, okay, so I do tons of work with elementals. I literally have actually seen fairy energy. I've seen the fairy realm as clear as day. I've walked through it in my woods only once. That was the most beautiful gift ever. I tried for probably seven years before it happened. <laughs> and then finally it happened one day, which was fantastic. Um, I've morphed into trees and become things like eagles. I've become the wind. I've become all kinds of elements itself. 
I've actually encountered and worked with multiple reptilians. I've had all kinds of inner earth elementals. I've had the star seed people that are simply light signatures and energy signatures in my room consistently since I've been a healer. Um, yeah, I mean, you name it. And I've seen something in, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways. I don't have what we would call like the visitations in a full apparition, hardly ever. I've had them, but I haven't had them hardly ever. I have had a client whose dead son came in and laid himself over her body. And he was a full angelic and he had a hundred percent the wings. It was the most breathtaking, fascinating thing I've ever seen. And he laid his angelic body over her body to assist in her healing. And that one I saw 100% with my eyes open. And I was so grateful. Wow. That's, so grateful. that's amazing. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned walking through the fairy realm. There, there's a young girl who lives not too far from here. And her mom has actually been a, a guest on the podcast uh, quite a long time ago. And she sees fairies all the time. And uh, there's another creature or another being that she sees. Uh, she describes, uh, I forget what she calls them. Uh, the name escapes me. But do you remember the toys, the Furbies? Yes, very much. I do those Furby people all the time. Yeah. And you've yep. seen them? Yep, all the time. Okay, because I've seen them three times in my home. Yep. I work with those a lot. Okay. I can can you fun. tell me what those little guys are all about? They're literally just another version of an elemental. So we need okay. to understand in that 2D realm, the 2D she, realm. Now she calls them, she says they're protectors. Yep. Yep. That, and the good, ones that I've that worked with have always been positive. I've never met a malevolent one. They kind of remind me too of, um, what was that silly little movie? Oh, Gremlins. Gremlins. Yeah, remember yes. that? Yeah, they look and like so my ball. client the other day, I had to pull up the, the, the image of Gremlins so that I could show her what her helpers looked like. And she said, I've seen those my whole life. And so... For some people, these are helpers. For some people, these are actually totems and or a spirit animal. Some mm. people have them so consistently that they are their guide. They are their helper. They are their 100% attached to them helper, which we would call more of a totem. And so, but not for everybody. So yeah, there's very much um, that. And, and again, right. it's just another version of an elemental. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw one, I was sitting in my living room watching TV and I had the lights dimmed and, and the hallway was dark towards the bedrooms. And I, I caught this glimpse of peripheral movement. Yep. And I looked up and he was about 20% solid. Cool. And he was, you know, shuffling down because they got tiny little legs like penguins. Yeah. And he came, he came down the hallway and I, he looked over at me and we locked eyes and he kind of made that face like, oh crap, he can see me. Yeah, and, and don't forget, Dan, to him, you're the to him, you're the apparition. So don't misunderstand that okay. either. Because and after he saw me, he went, oh, <laughs> and he, he boom, bolted into the, or as quickly as he could scuttle along like a penguin into the, yeah. the, the kitchen, and he was gone. And, and I, in, in the cases when I teach paranormal, I try to have people understand that when you see a ghost, sometimes you're the ghost to them because you're in their realm, confusing them. Yeah. And so okay. when we run up against a Furby, sometimes it's like, oh, my God, what are you? Think of how goofy we look. Sure. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting that uh, you know, there's more people out there that have seen them. And the other thing that's very, very common for me to work with and see and lots of my clients to work with and see are actually very similar to um Dobie or Dobby. I think you say it Dobby from Harry oh, Potter, right. the, the house elf. 
Okay. Um, with the big ears, again, yeah, yeah. very, very elemental and um, kind of a cross between the icky guy from Lord of the Rings, the Gollum guy, when they get into more of a, a negative shapeshifter element of that. So again, what, what we were saying with Danny is that, you know, the nicer one would be more like, oh, you're more like Dobby the house elf. And then if he has a lower frequency, he'd be more like Gollum. But that look, that scraggly look, that big ear look, that kind of skeletal kind of crunked up look, um, that's very common too. So. Okay. Yeah, because this young girl, she's 14 now. She sees the little Furbies and the, the fairies all the time. And as long as her family is, and God love them for doing it, is supporting her, her oh, gifts won't are. shut off. You yeah. know, her gifts won't shut off. And and God forbid we need those children. We need those children, you know. My granddaughter's only three, and she's already seeing all kinds of people. She has a blue man that comes to see her all the time. Mm. She's like, Grandma, the blue man's here again. And I'm like, awesome. So, you know, it's really fun to be able to watch your your offspring. You know, lots of my kids are psychic, one in particular, my daughter the most. Um, and you know, the norm for my kids growing up is mom, get the dead lady out of the hallway. I'm trying to do my homework. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was like normal. <laughs> do you put up a bit of a beacon to the dead spirits? And do they, they a beacon in terms of I can help you? Well, I mean, like Rachel is a psychic medium. I have some abilities that I'm still trying to work on. Danny's starting to see stuff now that he's opening up more and more. Yep. And I seem to attract shadow people. Yep. I don't know I, why. It's but, your frequency oh. that's already the beacon. So right. what I do is, is I keep my, I do my best to keep my frequency as high as I can, just because of my work in my own self and my own self-love container. I, I do my best with crystals and clearing and constantly working on myself and keeping heart space, keeping open, open, open. So that automatically sends out what we find like the bat signal. So it right. automatically sends out the spirits will come to you, but do not ever underestimate that you're in control of that and that you get to turn the knobs or put the out, out to lunch sign on or out for business, no, no business to hear. We, we get to determine if we're going to help those because at the beginning, I didn't understand because my healing room, once I crossed one, I had, you know, a line going all the way down the steps and out the door. And I'm like, I'm not crossing people 24 seven. That's not what I'm doing. And so there needs to be a healthy um, amount of decision-making in terms of how you're going to do that. And I do that with the negative entities too. I had a bunch of Dracos come in because they were ticked off in a session I was doing with someone that was super powerful. And in two seconds, my room was full of Dracos. And I mean, we're talking not nice ones. And I said, absolutely not. In universal law, I already locked down my room. You're not welcome here. And you know, you have to leave. And I said, I will deal with you later. And they were gone in two seconds. And then lo and behold, they entered my room at three o'clock in the morning. And I said, absolutely not. I have not allowed you in here. Give me a minute back out. I will lock my room down and then I will allow you in, which I did. And I'm not going to lie to you for one second. I thought, you know, Suzanne, maybe this is a little too many to be letting in here. <laughs> so, so I let them in. And all of a sudden, every ounce of fear left my body. And it was fascinating because right when I was starting to wonder what to do with this situation, higher self stepped in and brought me through this fascinating portal. I do um, time wormholes a lot. And it was a wormhole of time space. And I went all the way back to original time space. And what I got to watch was many, many lifetimes of me being a starseed, being, I'm very Orion, being very reptilian, being draconian, being all of these things. So when I came back through and into Suzanne's body, I was sitting there as such a huge love container because there's nothing you can do other than love another human body, no matter, or another body embodiment, not human. And they just completely just 
they just turned to dust. It was fascinating. Mm. It was probably one of the strongest things I've ever done in my life to be able to release all fear and truly understand that love does conquer if we can get there. Right. Um, you mentioned astral projection. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's a topic that I'm fascinated with. And that's something that I've actually tried to, to do uh, many, many, many times without any success. Uh, I, I have remote viewed before, but uh, it's almost, uh, it's, it's not like with, with the coordinates, like the government used to teach people. It, yep. it's, it's almost like my, my subconscious goes, but I'm still alert and awake at home. And I right. know, what, know what's going on. Um, is astral projection dangerous? Um, you know, I think anything's dangerous if you're ignorant, period. Okay. And, okay. and even, even just this last month, even being a healer and an energy worker that does this full time and then some, I was really kind of reprimanded from my, not reprimanded, that's really not a fair word, um, nudged from my higher uh, guidance to kind of like get my stuff together and be much more, again, diligent in terms of protection, not for fear, but for protection. And, you know, you get lazy because, Mm -hmm. and it isn't hubris. It's not like, oh, I'm so cool. I don't need to do this, but you do kind of get lazy. Right. Right. And when we get lazy, it gets dangerous. And right now it's very dangerous because there's just too much going on. And so I did get a little hand slap the other day from a higher channeling that said, you got to start being much more diligent and being much more aware and locking down and cutting and, you know, the whole nine yards. And so I'm, I'm really back on a fast track for the next months to really upgrade. And I've been very, very diligent again. Do you have a, an astral projection story that you can share with us? Like one that really like blew your socks off? Well, you- one of the coolest things that I did is I projected into a rock in Peru. So I'll back up a little bit. I go to Peru every year with my client base, except last year. I'm so sad. And um, I go to Peru every year and I take my group on a spiritual tour and we go through all the sacred valley and we do these amazing things. And I'm so blessed and so thrilled to be able to do that. These people are just fantastic. Is that up and to then, Machu Picchu? Well, Machu Picchu is part of it. Machu okay. Picchu to me, actually, funny enough, everyone thinks Machu Picchu is the frosting and the cherry on the cake. To me, it's probably one of the lesser energetic places that we go just because of the multitudes of people that are walking through it. It kind of dilutes the energy field. And right. so it's wonderful and it's fascinating, but it's energetically not the place where this work happened. And so when we were there before I went, I get downloaded a lot. And so my higher guidance said to me that we want to put literally put geometrics in you because I work a lot with sacred geometry. And they said, we're going to put geometrics in you and you're going to bring them to Peru and you're going to put them into the land. And I'm like, wow, I got nothing on that. I don't even know what that means, but okay. You know? And so I could distinctly feel getting put a sphere in me, a cube and a pyramid. And they said, you will know what to do when it's time to do it. And we're in one of the um, sacred sites and, and they said, literally place this in. And so it's kind of like laying an egg, you know, your body just goes ahead and places it in the ground with intention. And the second it happened, it was clear blue sky huge clap of thunder, huge shaking of the, th- of the earth. It felt like an earthquake was happening and all the shamans looked over at me and they looked at me and I went, oh my goodness. And they go, healer of the sky. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. And so we started to do these crazy, crazy things. So I could see these images. I was told all these images and I could see specific images. And when we went to this other place, same trip, I went into this rock. And so I'm holding on to the rock and I'm meditating and all my group was elsewhere because my sister takes them elsewhere when I do my own work. 
and I'm on the rock and I sucked right into the rock. And I was literally in the void. I was in this crazy place doing all of this unbelievable geometric stuff. And I knew exactly what I was doing when I did it. And I guess from the outside perspective, I was speaking light language, which I don't even really know that I do. And when I came back from this thing, it was like I was gone in through the rock into multiple planes of existence. And I've done this probably like three or four times where you go into the rock and go into different places and do the work and then you suck back out of the rock. But then you're standing there like a human going, holy crap, what the heck was that? <laughs> what just happened, right? Wow. And I was, I was kind of floored by it and I was really taken aback by it. And I knew exactly the, the jewels, the codes, the, the, um, the, the geometrics. I knew all the things I had worked with, but I'm keeping this all to myself because I thought I was kind of like losing it. Right. Well, my sister had got a download from her guides before Peru also, and they informed her that she had to draw a picture. And my sister's a really cool artist. And she did this most rudimentary, ridiculous drawing. And they told her to bring it to Peru. And they said, you would know what to do with it when it's time. I get back on the bus. I'm, I'm completely stunned. She, I, I'm shaking. I'm freaking out because I'm trying to get back in my body holy. And she goes, what happened? And I go, I don't even know if I can tell you what happened because I feel like I'm just like insane right now. So I started to tell her the story and big tears are rolling down her face, rolling down her face. And I thought, oh, crap. She thinks her sister's lost it. This is it. And she goes, no, Suzanne. And she bent over and she took out of her backpack the exact picture of the rock and all of the things that I had done. Wow. It was unbelievable. It was fascinating. It was something that I can't even, and that's a short version of the whole thing. Cause you know, it was insane. And so I've asked projected through a rock in, um, in Ireland back to that rock in Peru. I've gone into inner earth in Peru from a cave where I've gone from inner earth and dumped, um, you know, codes and such back up to the cosmos and back and forth using my body. So a lot of times what my dot body does is it's like a flash drive to move binary code. I'm a, I'm a human body, but my etheric energy body moves code. And so I'm like, they load me up and then I move that and then we dump it and then I take it and then we load me up and then I send it and vice versa. So if that makes any sense at all. We'll try to make sense of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might have to re-listen to this again. <laughs> That's right. Might have to have Google open while we're going too, right? Yeah, stuff. it's pretty crazy. It's very, it's very um, off-planet multidimensional work. And so I astral project on ship all the time too. So I'm on ship a lot. Wow. Suzanne, uh, when, when I asked you if astral projection was safe and you said, well, you know, these days there's, some, there's something going on. Yeah. What's going on? Well, what's going on is we're in the midst of the final battle of the process of being a humanity on a planet called Earth. We're at the final, final battle of the shifting of this planet. And for anyone that studies ascension, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't study ascension, I highly suggest you might choose to, especially if you're psychic and open and aware. So our fourth dimensional plane, which is our dream state, which is also our heart chakra, this is the crisscross from our spiritual chakras into our physical chakras. And this is when we get into the astral field. This is where we go when we astrally project. But this is also exactly where everything is. It's all the good, the bad, and the ugly, all combined because it's the I am in this lower level. It's the I am in the lower levels. So this is very um, programmable. This is where the negative agenda tosses all the programming. This is where all of the frequencies that mind screw us through commercials, through, you know, frequencies in our electronics, through all the stuff, the things we eat, this is where all the programs are happening is in the 4D. 
and when we ask to project, we're in 4D. So it's very important for us to understand our own Merkaba or our own Merkaba, either way you want to say it, um, your astral projection container and really know what you're doing and not just play with that. Because if you aren't aware and not coming home clean, you can come back into the stand body after that experience and you can have all kinds of hitchhikers, implants, negative entities, negative energies, et cetera, clinging on to you. Mm. So, you know, but at the same time, we can do that when we go to Walmart, right? Right. So how do we, uh, how do we win this thing then? Well, first and foremost, we are winning it from a perspective of energetics and love and that this planet will exist. Whether that looks like how it looks for us as humans on this planet is to be determined. So the light quotient of ascension has been hit. How this plays out as a human experience for the masses is going to yet be determined because each of us has a responsibility because we signed up for this job to hold a light quotient on behalf of mother God and coming into the planetary system and planting it into earth and crystallizing our bodies, et cetera. So there's a big job that we came here to do. Most of the people walking around don't even think that sounds like English because they haven't really done their homework, which is fine. And it's not a judgment. It's just what you choose to do from your soul's perspective. And so for those people that are really understanding it, astral stuff, astral work, being in the grids, going into multi-grids is very important work. And they will traverse carefully and they will clean themselves and they will clear themselves and they will cut cords and they will do, you know, saging and smudging and all of the things, all of those tactical toolbox items that we can after a while think, oh, that's just kind of silly. And it's not anymore. This is very critical. So I think that it can be dangerous if there's ignorance attached to it. Yeah, I, I often, you know, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and, and people like yourself, and I, I hear them saying that uh, we're in a holy war in a way. Yes. Uh, um, uh, it's a battle of, of good and evil right now. Yes. And a lot of people are just ignorant of it. And it's Christ consciousness, and this is not religion. It's not the guy. Right. It's Christ consciousness, meaning that your crystals, your crystalline self, your body itself is transforming and transmuting from a carbon-based being on this planet, turning into a crystalline-based being. So it's our responsibility to upgrade our crystal quotient, which is, by the way, totally compassion, totally forgiveness, totally unconditional love. So it's a big transition for this human race and this species. And some people will make it and some people won't. And again, that doesn't mean you're bad if you didn't make it. It just means that your soul is choosing something else. Hmm. You said earlier, we go through many incarnations, uh, reincarnations. If yes. you, um, young kids or even babies seem to understand this uh, more and then kind of like you said you kind of forget it after a while or you have parents that don't believe in any of this so you just figure that they're right uh yes but do you believe in that where uh right from uh birth that you have a certain understanding of oh 100 percent. Uh, because before you choose this life before you choose the sperm and egg container you're making that choice your higher consciousness is dropping into that sperm and egg container so you've already chose the mother and the father from a soul contract perspective. So you're jumping into a relationship that's already determined before you get here, which is part of your contractual agreement on upgrading what it is that you came here to do or upgrading your own ascension process or upgrading the planetary or the multidimensionals or whatever. You've already made those agreements. And so we don't just be born. We choose and we choose effectively. And then what happens is 
normalcy comes in, which isn't normal again, remember, the normal world comes in, we want to fit in, we want to be like everybody else, we don't want to do that. And then we have belief systems that crush us and everything gets turned off and lies dormant. So every single human body that has been incarnated has the potentiality to become crystallized, find their Christ self. But most of us don't even know what that means, because our stories are so confused. And so most of us lie dormant most of the time. And then this is exactly why we come back and do it again and again and again and again, because we go back to that in between lives and go, oh, crap, I forgot to do this, this, this and this, you know, mm -hmm. and this is the this is the recycled karmic program that the human race has been stuck in for eons. This is not what we were meant to do. We were meant to ascend not only our planet, but our bodies and our souls. And we got stuck in this, you know, crap. And this is what the final battle is about is to release all of Hmm. If that makes some sense. Oh, yes. Who's, yeah. in who's in charge of reincarnation, do you think? We literally, each and every one of us in our own higher self and our own high soul self makes those determinations. We Nobody choose, tells us we, to come to this we choose, we choose to come back if we wish? Yes. Okay. And, and we may have to come back from a push or a nudge because you haven't finished your karma. The goal is to get rid of karma. The goal is to get rid of the ridiculous karmic cycles that we've created, because that is not what we are meant to do. We are meant to ascend. This was designed to be the planet that was the Garden of Eden. This was designed to be the beautiful, gorgeous planet that it is, if we can see it, okay? And most people don't choose to see it. You know, last year to me was fascinating. I, as a, as a, again, a, and I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong, because the whole goal of this work is to find your own truth. Nobody's right because we're all right. Okay. That's really important to understand, first of all. And so when we're in these, you know, I'm in Minneapolis, when we're in these George Floyd situations and when we're in these riots and we've got our state capital being tromped on, everyone's like, oh, I'm so sad to be an American. And I'm like, are you kidding? At least people are finding their voice. Not that I'm condoning burning down a, you know, a fast food place and a, and a um, you know, a shopping center to do that. But my point is, is people are standing up and saying, no, no more, no more. I will be heard. I will be seen. And I will take the consequences that go with that. So these are baby steps into finding our truth. But we're still so overwhelmed with judgment mm. and wanting to be right. And when we get to that, that's what the final battle is about, that everybody's right. Mm -hmm. do, do you think, uh, see, one of the things that I struggle with, um, you know, especially when, when you hear your stories and other people's stories and even some of the things that I've seen, like the little Furbies and, and I've seen a reptilian and I've seen greys and, and everything else. Uh, what are your thoughts on on God in in, in all this? Like, I, I'm not I'm not a religious person. Uh, mm -hmm. I I don't I don't put a lot of uh, credence into the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, like when you talk about we were supposed to, this planet was supposed to be the Garden of Eden. Like a lot mm -hmm. of people say that the snake was a reptilian, mm -hmm. or you know things like that. Uh, and I think well maybe God is this huge energy. Mm -hmm. You know, this source that is encompasses or engulfs everything, every planet, every alien species, every human. Uh, so I, I think more of a cosmic reality than, than a biblical reality. And hopefully this is what people are awakening to, because part of this disclosure process will be to disclose and uncover the atrocities that we've been told in dogmatic religion. I mean, it's a sham and it's a shame that we think there's a guy floating on a cloud with a beard and a dress and a book that is going to say that I'm good or bad. It's horrendous what we've done to our minds and our bodies to think that there, first of all, is a guy. 
So when we get to what source energy is, it's a divine intelligence. It's a design intelligence. So it's a divine design intelligence that has the knowledge of the all, but it does not have a body and it can't embody, hence the word, it can't embody its creation and its, its divine mind until it has embodiments. And so, yes, it has embodied in a gazillion different ways from a bug to the wind, to a cloud, to the fire, to an ant, to a human, to a Zeta, to a Palladian, to a planet, to a star. We're all, and this is when we finally come back to the sense of the awe of God is we are all one. Every single thing is every single thing is everything you thing. And we are patterns within patterns within patterns. And there has to be light if there's dark and there has to be right if there's wrong. And this is what the final battle is about is to come back to there's nothing other than the I am presence. And you're a little tiny shard of that in this existence. That signed up to assist a planet to be here because we deserve joy. This planet was the experiment of love. This planet was the experiment of love. But see, then we throw in words like Garden of Eden and we'll go back to the Bible. And that's so completely distorted on purpose that half the people will shut down their brain and go, that's stupid. I'm not going to believe in that. But the reality within the Bible itself is there's a huge amount of symbolism, truth that is all distorted, things that are real, but flipped and introverted. So this has been the big cosmic joke that we have such a directive, which is all messed up. <laughs> and yet there's so much truth, you know? It's like we almost have to uh, get you to astral project into the basement of the Vatican. And uh, I act, don't you know. fool yourself. I've been there plenty. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. I've been there plenty with myself and with a collaboration of many healers. We every, everything I hear about the Vatican is... Walk through the Vatican evil. all the time, just sending love, sending love, sending love. Because what you want to do is you want to send so much love to that stuff that the evil has to rise. It's like a festering wound. If we just put that really beautiful, warm cloth on top of it, it'll draw out the, the vermin. It'll draw out the yuck. But see, we want to fight. And so we're fighting incorrectly, if we can even use that word, because there isn't really a correct and a not. Right. But we're fighting the wrong way. We're fighting to be right instead of just fighting to be. Mm -hmm. So... Most of our most of our listeners are from the USA, actually. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask this question. It'll and it should should amuse the Canadians and the Brits and everybody else. But uh, any aliens in the White House, past or present? <laughs> you don't even have to ask. That. I mean, real aliens. <laughs> yes, there's. We know. I mean, come on. Anybody that really does this work and is in their heart space knows that there's nothing about this that is a big a surprise. And there's nothing about, um, you know, if you know, we're right now in this process of uh, forced UFO disclosure. We um, we know half of that is bull, and it's half of a setup. But at the very same time, don't fool yourself that it probably will be coming sooner than later, and probably in our lifetimes, the um, off-planet intervention. Because what will happen, whether that's eleven millions or not will disclose all of the aliens that are already on this planet, which there is multitudes of. Mm -hmm. One of the ways that you guys is really super fun that I do to um, see if your governments or your whatevers are aliens, when, especially during political campaign years, what I do is I will watch anything like a debate or a news brief or whatever, and I'll turn the sound off and I'll just watch their body. And you'll watch their eyes glitch and you'll watch their faces glitch and you'll watch how their bodies are. It's just fascinating. And you can pop them out in a second. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Want to name some names or no? No. Oh. <laughs> no, because that's only going to put my 
stamp of, of what I think on. The point of being a human right. is for you to find that space and trust your own body because of Suzanne. And again, this is why I say take what resonates. Don't take anything that doesn't because these containers that we're walking around in are such miracles. They are so fascinating that if we train them to be highly sensitive, you never have to have anybody validate your truth. Never, mm. ever have to have anybody tell you what's right or what's wrong because it screams from your cellular structure. Those stories make for great podcasts, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's enough yeah. people out there bashing other people. You yeah. Can and, you, you know, and you, you always have to be careful, you know, which political side you take and say, well, you know, yeah. maybe President Trump was an alien and maybe Joe Biden is a, you know, maybe he's a reptilian and, you know, and so. I think I, there's massive, I mean, massive amounts of reptilian I mean, energy in our governmental structure, because why wouldn't there be? I mean, right. let's be serious. So. Like, I was told by a gentleman who's in the know, uh, who used to work for the intelligence in the in the United States Air Force, that uh, a cloaked Palladian UFO follows Air Force One. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, to make sure that it, it doesn't get knocked down by some other alien threat or human threat. That's super interesting. Yeah, so I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. So, I've actually did a, um, a, a healing session with a friend of mine that was amazing. We we actually were asked to place a cloaked ship into the border between Iran and Iraq. This was years ago. I don't know how many. And there was a festering and a happening going on. And they said, we want you to place this cloaked ship on this particular thing. And it was using a geometric. And I kept hearing this is the mother arc that we're working with. And I'm like, I don't even know what the mother arc is, but as long as I'm in alignment, I'm like, good. And I'm doing this spin with this geometry and I've got this thing being placed and it's all blue and it's all blue. And sure enough, the very probably eight hours after that, they had a 5.5 earthquake exactly in that area. Mm. And there was all kinds of blue anomalies being seen all over the place. And it was all over YouTube. I don't know how many years ago this was. I don't know if you ever remember even hearing it. There was these really strange blue anomalies in the sky. And it was so crazy. It was just like, okay. And, you know, does that mean Suzanne did all that? I don't know. But who cares? It was pretty cool. I mean, it was like, wow. You know, we just don't know. You've never had any uh, strange looking guys in black suits show up at your door? or I have not. (laughs) um, But I I do periodically like have that feeling of, oh, crap, did I, you know, go too far? But I also believe um, that I, that the work that I do is, um, I mean, I'm not ignorant. It's not like I'm a stealth bomber, but I do, I have been told very, very many times that I am guided from, um, I, I think I'm being against Starseed. I think I go back so far that I think there's a different cloaking ability um, to do the work. And that's not arrogance again. It's not like, oh, I'm so cool. Sure, sure. But I think that there's just certain people that um, don't necessarily have to get hauled off in the van. And hopefully I'm not one of them. Do you think, Suzanne, that uh, once you pass away, that will you return to this earthly plane? Or do you think that you have a good understanding now that uh, maybe you'll you'll go to another plane? My innate feeling about myself, whether this is a truth or not, I haven't quite um, made peace with yet, but my innate feeling and my um, knowing in this container right now is that I have not been here as a human before Mm -hmm. this incarnation. I've been Mm -hmm. on this planet before plenty of times as a high ranking galactic federation general or whatever. I've done a lot of work with um, the Anasazis I've done. And that's another thing I did get went into the rock as the general. And I sucked into a rock and worked with a bunch of trapped Anasazis 
And those kinds of things are knowings that I've been on this planet, but I haven't been on this planet in this body. Machu Picchu was another one. I stood on the top of Oyente Tambo on the way to Machu Picchu and then again at Machu Picchu. And I'm like, I've been here, but I haven't been here from this angle. I've been here from the angle from up above. And so I do a lot of, um, I, I can see things from the perspective of off planet, knowing that I've been here, but I haven't been here as a human. And so I don't necessarily think that I, I have any need to come back here. I think there was a really critical mission to embody the physical form to do the work for the ascension process, period. I was told when I was small that I'm here on a mission, period. You're here for one mission, period. And I've heard that since I was a child. Uh, I have one question before we're gonna wrap things up and I wanna ask you about your book as well. Um, you had mentioned inner earth earlier on. And right. I always hear rumors of uh, the Anunnaki, you know, being, uh, in our Earth's core and lots of bases in Antarctica. Uh, any thoughts on that? I 100% am on board with most all of that okay. because I have felt it. I've gone through tunnel systems. I've been in tunnel systems. I've been in tunnel systems underneath the ocean as well as the inner Earth. Um, I, I highly, 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 100% believe Antarctica is what we know it is, you know. Um, yeah, I believe that that the aliens are here and always have been. They've never left here. We've never left here. And the Anunnaki to me is very, very comfortable because that's the frequency that I work with when I'm in the galactic. When I stand in front of Galactic Federation and do a lot of like remembering missions or going off planet, um, you know, the praying mantis race is very comfortable. The Anunnaki is very comfortable. The reptilian is very comfortable. Um, the, the insectoids overall. So these are all like things that don't surprise me and they've been here all along. So why would we be surprised? Whether that looks like, you know, an insectoid or a praying mantis standing in front of you. No, it won't mm -hmm. do that right now, but it will eventually when we can drop the cloaks, when we can drop the cloaks of fear, we can't even drop a cloak of black and white fear. You think we're going to drop a cloak of you are a praying mantis. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, a lot of people's heads will collectively explode, right? And they will leave planet. And this is what we'll call this planet. This is what we'll call this planet so that we can come to a space and a place of this is an interim hub. This is a hub where many, 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 many different races of aliens come to experience and move through, come to experience and create and go on. And mm -hmm. when we finally understand all of that, then we won't be so scared. But I'm going to be the first to admit if the praying mantis walked in my healing room right now while we were talking, I'd be like, what? But then... I think immediately my heart space would catch up because right. that's what happened with the Dracos. It really, really did. Right. So yeah. your book, your book is called energy. My Healers. book, the one that's out right now is called the energy healers book of dying. It is a psychic perspective of the death process. I bring you through the death process and what happens to you from an auric field, from a soul's perspective. We talk about Akashic records, soul contracts, what happens in between lives. And it breaks down the death process step by step so that people don't have to be frightened on what's happening to their loved one or themselves. And it's, and it's actually an awesome, not to toot my horn, I didn't necessarily write a book. I wrote it to educate the hospice people on what was happening to people's bodies so they weren't scared. And so that's that one. And then hopefully within the next year, year and a half here, will be Energy Healers Book of Empathy. And we'll make sure to get you one of those. <laughs> it seems like you have 100 books in your head that you could write like even even if you described all these creatures and elementals yeah. and i mean I'd well my goal that. now is to actually assist other star seeds to stay awakened and and most of all and this is my lesson and i've had a difficult 
time with this lesson. I'm finally embracing it more with an open heart um, because I did not feel like I wanted to be here. I felt very abandoned and I felt like this sucks. I don't want to be in this body. I don't want to be on this planet. I don't want to be doing this stuff. It's way more fun floating around the astral, you know, way more cool to just be essence, way more cool to be light. And I've mm -hmm. learned profoundly within the last year that this is part of the mission. This is part of the responsibility. So I'm here hopefully to assist others to say this thing that I was prior calling a meat sack is not, that's not nice. And it's not kind to not only the divine container that was designed for me and I was participatory in it and creator gave it, it's a gift. And I'm really stepping back and really re-humbling, humbly looking at my words, my thoughts, my processes on what does it mean to be a starseed right now? Because this is going to be critical in the next two years. And if we can upgrade our compassion level and understand as a starseed, then we can really assist others because not everyone is one and it doesn't make you better. It just makes you have an inner knowledge that can be shared quicker. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? I mean, it's, it's not about being cool. It's not about being better. It's about you've done this on other planets and this is the perspective of this place is a jewel. These bodies are a gift right. and it's, it's something that we need to remember. Yeah. I think uh, if I come back, around again i'd like to upgrade my meat sack though <laughs> yeah but you can upgrade it here that's the okay. cool part about oh, that, that's that's too much work <laughs> I, I just want to go through the astral catalog and go yeah i want to look like this guy six yeah. pack six pack abs and perfect teeth and you know hair and all that but <laughs> but the goal is to realize that none of that matters mm -hmm. the goal is to realize that you're walking around in a projection that's holographic what people are actually seeing when they really find you doesn't right. have anything to do with that it has to do with your crystal that's right. Very cool. Rachel, um, you're, you're, you look like you've been hit by a truck, but that's your allergies. Yeah. Poor, poor, poor thing is just sitting there like, oh, kill me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing um, I wanted to, to add is uh, um, I like to try to make the little notes. I put one thing down when you started and you hit it. So I thought that was pretty awesome. First thing, my impression was, of you was empowerment that comes through self-love and personal courage. And then thank boom, you. Exactly. And how awesome about. is it for you to be able to connect with spirit and be a medium? <laughs> you know, we're so fortunate and it isn't make us special because everybody can do this if they would just allow people to die. This is why I wrote the book too, is we need to allow people to die. They get to die. It's such a great message. And we, and any of us, by the way, but we that are fortunate enough that can talk to them, and share that message. That's why I do my events up at the Palmer House in Minnesota. I do a whole haunted event. And it isn't about ghost hunting. It's about allowing your loved ones to come through and to fully know that they have gone nowhere other than change their clothes, you know? So what a great gift you have, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. That's, that's beautiful. Awesome. <laughs> good for you. Keep up the good work. We need all the help we can get, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On planet, off planet. So where can people find you and uh and get your book yeah basically my book's anywhere and everywhere that you look amazon all that stuff but the easiest place is just my website so it's s worthly so s-w-o-r-t-h-l-e-y.com and everything's on there all of my stuff is on there my book you can get it directly through my site but it's also on amazon barnes and noble you name it all you have to do is google it right. but um i appreciate yeah i appreciate the help on that because the death culture is a very difficult topic. And like I said, to launch a book on death during a pandemic, everybody's like, I don't want to talk about that. And I thought, gosh, shame on you then, because 
a lot of people are going to be leaving this planet and it's exactly what you should be talking about, whether they choose the, you know, the exit card as a, you know, a, a shell of COVID or not, they're choosing to leave this planet. So the message is the same. And so right. it's very important for us to understand we're all going to leave planet. Our loved ones will leave planet. Our children will leave planet. Our parents will leave planet and on and on. And so it's understanding that they don't go anywhere. They just change form. Do you think your book would help people who suffer with uh, terrible grief as well? Hugely, yes. When we start to understand soul contracts, this is part of the huge amount of my work is to really work with the death process and to help people understand. I had a guy come in the other day, a new client who was holding grief on his father's death from three years ago and could not even move forward in his life. And it was taking a huge hit on not only his marriage, but his emotions, his physicality, et cetera. And, you know, after our session, and it's not me, this isn't about me. This is about me bringing through the information and being able to, you know, you'll know, Rachel, if I can talk to your father and I can help you to understand, he forever changed his world and then read my book and then called back and said, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I never, it's a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift is to honor the fact that people get to die. This is important for us as a culture. And we have created such a, you know, a death culture that just is just so dark. It's and just we, so dark. And we shouldn't fear death is what you're no, saying. No, gosh, you, right? right? Yeah. Right. It's another form of astral projection. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, that's hard to tell, like, a, a, a mother and father who, who's, you know, a five-year-old or, or yep. something like that. But, but when we understand from the sole contractual purpose that that five-year-old came in here, you know, to understand those processes and they co-contracted with you, to understand whatever yours are and on and on this goes. It's a really important, if we were educated like this from the beginning, we would never be the culture we are ever, mm. ever. So we would honor death and celebrate it. And this mm. is important for us. So we've got a long way to go on the death process and we have a giant way to go on the empathy process. So hence the next book, because right. everybody sucks everybody's energy and everybody takes everybody's stuff because they think they get to, <laughs> you know? It must be tough for you to, to see all that all the time, because myself, I get frustrated with people and it's just like, you don't understand. It can be so simple. It's what I just want to, you know, I get so frustrated with them. I go through bouts of that, Danny. I go through bouts because I am a human. Um, but generally speaking, I don't allow that frustration to last very long. And I, and I really work hard at paradigm shifting that because they get to, they get to do anything they want to. And my mantra is, he gets to, she gets to, they get to. And I say it about a hundred times in a row because after that I stop and I say, I get to. Right. Now, what do I want to do with that? I don't want to carry that anger. I don't want to carry that frustration, that grief, whatever. I don't want their energy. I don't want their belief. I get to do something different. And then the empowerment returns. Yeah. And, and again, you know, if we ever, ever met again, and maybe we talk further sometime, if you ever chose to, too, about the collective world, because all that does is it screws up the collective. All that does when I do what you're doing is, is it screws with the collective quotient. And then that's messy. And so my responsibility is to not only be aware of my own personal container, but on behalf of the collective container. And then that's when it gets to be a big responsibility. And it is our job. That's what we came here to do. But who told you that in third grade, right? Right. Suzanne, uh, my head is spinning. My brain hurts. Um, but, <laughs> my work uh, here is done. But your work here is done. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll have to have you back. 
And again, take what resonates, everybody. I'm not here to be anyone's truth barometer, but I am here to encourage, plant a seed, cheerlead, think about it, expand your brain a little bit. So yeah, it's been fun. I thank you, each and every one of you. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you back. And uh, everybody check out her book, Energy Healers book for the dying, right? Of dying. Or of of. of dying. Yep. And uh, we'll see you again. Thank you all. Have a good night. Thank you. All right. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.